And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Russo, Certified Financial Planner, here with Danny Ratliff in his bunker. Certified Financial Planner Squared. We are so glad you're here with us this morning and uh, hope you're preparing for <clears throat> a good weekend. For me, Friday couldn't come fast enough, but uh, here we are. Right, Danny? That's right. <clears throat> Although every day for you looks the same. Man, it has been Groundhog Day for <laughs> seven weeks. Oh, my God. And now we've got the Delta Dawn variant, which means that you'll never leave the house. I certainly hope not. So we've got good news yesterday. I'm cleared for physical therapy. So kind oh, of getting great. out and about once again. So <clears throat> That's great. Excited about that, but not excited. I thought I'd get out of this brace a little sooner. He said, well, if it's going to be another six weeks, then man, this is no good. Well, as long as you get the therapy done and uh, listen, it's all part of that thing, right? That we talk about with planning. Life gets in the way. The perfect, I'm going to save for 40 years and uh, everything's going to be great, and uh, nothing's going to happen to me, and then I'm going to retire a bajillionaire. You know, eh, sometimes you get thrown a curveball, but what's good is you've hit the curveball, <clears throat> and uh, you're on the mend. Uh, today, we're looking at markets that are relatively flat. I could not guess, even my magic eight ball couldn't give me an answer about the jobs report today. I am uh, obviously ADP came out way below expectations. Uh, I, ADP through this process is not very reliable. We are going to get the jobs report today, but again, your guess out there is as good as ours um, because I think we're sort of flying blind here, Danny. It's it, I think overall <clears throat> it's been obvious by the ten year at one point two five eight percent that we could be slowing down, and and actually. We were talking about slowing down by the end of the year anyway because this is a 2% GDP economy. That's what the bond market is screaming. Once the honeymoon is over, all, everybody's got the spending <clears throat> out of their system, and you go back to normal, you, whatever that is, you sort of fall right back into the muck. And I know people discount the bond market. They say it's different this time. But I will tell you, it is a very good indicator to watch for real, for organic, economic growth, not unproductive debt-driven growth. You really want to tend to look at the bond market. And yields have done nothing, Danny, but sort of go down. Well, they have. It's interesting, though, if you look at yields, yields are actually up a tad bit today, which would indicate maybe they think that – um, we're going to have a decent numbers for jobs, but like you mentioned, it's kind of anybody's guess at the moment. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> I tend to think that it'll surprise on the downside, but again, I anybody's guess is as good as anybody else's, and we will get to see <clears throat> how the S&P 
deals with that. Obviously, meme stocks are <clears throat> back in the mar- uh, back in fray with Robinhood. Although I was so happy it opened down, Robinhood is back off to the races. That is your new hot meme stock. Um, <clears throat> one month they are uh, suffering the trials and tribulations of being in trouble, and then the next month they are the king. This is how the market works. There is no memory. There is, it, there is no long-term, unless you consider Monday to Tuesday, and this is the world that we're given in. So we have to invest for the world we are given. Now, what's, again, sort of a conundrum, and now it'll seem to be, uh, I think, cemented uh, in time, is the fact that why the Fed refuses to stop emergency liquidity bond buying is beyond me. Now they have another excuse not to do it, which is Delta variant. Also, J.P. Morgan did a study and said retail buying was 50% higher than the all-time high. So now you're, of course, bringing in all these retail investors. Lance has talked about it this week. And um, that think that markets can't go down. So who knows what kind of August we're going to have. Usually August is sort of a slow month, but we're going to have to wait and see. It just shows you seasonality. You can't time markets. It's ridiculous to try. You certainly can <clears throat> ebb and flow your portfolio. Right, Danny? You can take risk off the table. You could do risk management. That's not an all or none game. That is not market timing. That is watching your positions, seeing how they trade. Do they get overheated, taking profits? When do they fall? What entry points do other positions have? Can you add more to them? We have a little bit more cash on hand right now uh, to go ahead and make sure that we can implement um, in the right areas overall. That's just an active, ongoing management, rules-based process. It's not all in, and it's not all out. I had someone say to me the other day, listen, Rich, I think I'm going to get out. I mean, I've got all the gains I want for this year. Um, and I was like, you know, I mean, on the surface, that makes sense, Danny. Like his plan is he only needs two and a half percent. You know, we've had really good returns this year. He goes, Rich, what would be the process of doing that? I says, well, the problem might be is, um, I mean, on the surface, what does that sound like? That sounds like, okay, I made all my gains for the year. The S&P is up 17, you know, stocks maybe up 19, 20% and uh, heck, why don't I just float? I wish we can all do that and just go on vacation. That would be a cool thing, Right. But I think what what I told him is, you know, for the most part, we're managing risk along the way, right? We have more cash. Bonds are working a bit uh, the way we're, we're positioning them. And our equities are still working. So as long as – if you were buy and hold, I possibly could make this, <laughs> this case. But we're not. We're here to actively manage your portfolio. What do you think of that? Sort of on the well, surface, Rich, I, I, it makes, seems logical, right? It seems real logical, but the issue will be is that when do you get back in? You know, you come, right. you have a magic number on, okay, January 1st, we're flipping the switch back. Right. We're going to get back to the market. The problem will be is that emotions will get in the way. And typically, I mean, we've seen this time and time again when people have actually gotten out of the market. Now, unfortunately, usually that occurs when, you know, markets are down. Um, this would be really great and intuitive to be able to do it when it's up. And then actually get back in. That's that's going to be the problem because if the market goes up another five percent, we're going to say, "Wow, well, it's just too expensive to get back in." Yeah, because it was expensive enough to get out. Right. 
um, that come over, you know, the logic on the way out may be very different on the way in. And it's very tough for people to stop and start a portfolio process. Um, I had seen clients that did a great job. I mean, uncanny job of getting out of the market before 2008, like right before, maybe a couple of days before or even during. Um, But to this day, I still talk to them. They're still not back in. It's very tough to shut that ignition off and turn it back on. And that's the process that tells you that you need to stay invested, but ebb and flow based on actual rules. We get back. I want to talk to you about, you know, signs of euphoria in the market. Hey, we got a virtual land deal for you here on Real Investment Show. Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. You know, there are many signs of a top, and the way I can tell you that is the hair that grows and stands on my neck upon my neck that I have to shave every day. The issue is that top stays with us for a very long time because of the moral hazard that the feds created and then throw in the moral hazard of what we see out of the fiscal side, right? Where people don't have to pay their bills. We allow more money to, to, to be flooding the system. And what happens is you get to see these bifurcations. You get to see these bubbles that continue to stay for a very long time. As Lance talks about, and we write about Hyman Minsky, one of the best economists who doesn't get discussed anymore, who talks about you only need that. We keep taking risk, 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 risk until that one little domino falls and the whole system goes along with it. Um, He's not in favor, but Minsky and his Minsky moments uh, are prevalent today. And I'm sure he's sort of digging himself out of his grave. Um, So I want to read you a comment that I think is very interesting. And knowing the history of Manhattan, um, there's a great book called The World Without Us. And it's about if we were all not here anymore, how would everything go back to nature? And if you read the history of Manhattan in the 1700s, it was an incredibly, uh, uh, you know, just like many other areas of the United States, very rich soil, uh, rich with animals, uh, you know, plants, trees. I mean, incredible soil, um, even in the island of Manhattan. So this so when you when you read or look at signs of euphoria, virtual land, which we've talked about before, is absolutely one of those signs. 
Here's an, <clears throat> one of the most irresponsible comments for a firm that's creating a fund that follows virtual land. Let me explain the different the, how is the uh, virtual land developments, Danny. We can we can enjoy our great infrastructure and uh, you know nice parks and everything. One is called Decentraland. One is called CryptoVoxels. If you want to live over in that development, I'll come and visit you. And Somnium Space. Somnium Space. So these uh, these land deals are virtual and crazy, but they happen. The most expensive deal ever recorded was in February. Eight lots sold for a combined $1.5 million on the gaming platform Axie Infinity. Now, were they using real money to buy these, or were they using <laughs> virtual money? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. But, you know, you can have your swanky bits and bites hotel. Um, you can gather with other people. Uh, you can have retailers come in, developers to pay for parcels. So here's the comment from a gentleman who is working on a fund of virtual land personally. I would rather have a root canal with no Novocaine. Buying land today in virtual worlds may end up feeling a lot like buying land in Manhattan in the 1750s. There is massive growth ahead, and now is the time to get in on the ground floor. So, Danny, <laughs> I know it's tough to wrap our arms around this, but someone, a client of ours, said this yesterday, and it was beautiful. By the way, record number of people leaving the United States in 2020. He's one of them leaving in 2021. He's moving to Hungary. Um, him and his wife and his daughter. <clears throat> I want to explain this to you. He was saying it's the gamification. The gamification of the world. In other words, when you played games, or when people played games, and they say they want to build their own battleship in Star Trek, they have to pay to build out the ship. You pay money to get the best photons, the, the destroyers, and all the other stuff. And you become immersed because your mind doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality. Immersed that this is your starship. You've paid for it. This gamification has bled to Robin Hood, right? So I can get confetti falling all around me when I place the trade and balloons and crap like that. And now we're seeing it with this virtual land. So each land parcel is a non-fungible token that, that can't be forged or replicated, just like physical land, Danny. Same thing. Any thoughts on this before you lose the rest of your hair on it? Yeah, no, this is like one of those things that makes you want to pull the hair out because you know, like, like you just mentioned, the guy mentioning that it's, like New York and Manhattan in 17 you know these guys trying to sell something the other quote I love from from you know what these guys are saying is the best fairest places are almost all purchased the secondary market shows that first buyers sell their assets for way more than the initial price well of course when you're, you're trying to sell a fund that's what they're going to tell you every time and you know going back to what your client was mentioning as well in any type of development, that's where all the cost is initially paid. So think about a new neighborhood. 
you know, you're building out infrastructure. Don't your ta aren't your taxes typically a little bit higher than they go down over time as things are built out? Mm -hmm. Of course, same thing with these types of instances here. And so I think it's really important to understand what you're actually buying. You know, what's crazy to me is to think that they're telling us right now that they're going to be advertisers. There's there's going to be uh, designers, artists. That's where everybody's going to be showcasing all of their their stuff, which is when you start to think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it'd be the same thing as putting it inside of a video game well, that's, for kids that's, to see. That's what it is, right? Yeah. It's a game, except it's real money, right? So this, well, so this Republic correct. Realm Digital Real Estate Fund, the minimum investment is $25,000. They're buying what they call distressed condos. But how, how did the weather distress them? Was it just lots of use? I mean, what happened here? How did <laughs> this occur? Metaverses, virtual hotel stores. I wonder if they have virtual bed bugs. At these Must have hotels. been bad programming. <laughs> so Decentraland, you know, that has its own economy, currency, great social events calendar. Danny, I'll see you over at uh, I'll see you over at the clubhouse later. Uh, hey man, I may have to get into this as my current state of affairs. To be honest with you, this sounds like something I can get, get but, behind. But now. it does show you how much cash is sloshing around. With people who shouldn't have it. Yeah. Okay? Because the fool and his money are soon parted. And boy, let me tell you, this is screaming euphoria and ridiculousness. All right? So, again, they're smarter than I am. Uh, they're getting it. They're doing I mean, I couldn't cross this realm to rip people off. I don't have that ability to do it. Okay? I just don't. I don't have that with the wherewithal. Yeah, there's a demand for it, so we'll sell it. Okay, well, again, I still can't do it. So this Decentraland, that seems like that's the new woodlands. Um, you know, I wonder if they have virtual trees. Um, so listen, this year through March 15th, the average price paid for parcel in Decentraland was $2,703. That more than triple what it was in 2020. That's nonfungible.com. Land sales quadrupled in the metaverse called CryptoVoxels. I don't like the name of that. I like Decentraland better. How do you spell that? Crypto what? Crypto Voxels, V-O-X-E-L-S. $821 a parcel to $3,895. I don't even know what a voxel is. <laughs> it's the, it's the, the name of the crazy room they're going to give you when you're, when you're insane from losing all your money. The Voxel Chamber. There is zero regulation, zero oversight, zero surveillance by the government. All they want to do is hand money out, but they cannot protect the public from junk like this, right? When AT&T, you you're probably too young to remember this, Danny, but when AT&T got broken up, into with all these different companies, it wasn't anywhere near the behemoth that these companies in tech are today. I don't know what happened to oversight, but some people do need protection from themselves when it comes to stuff like this. These are signs of all the excess liquidity and the euphoria. And I will tell you, even the most level-headed of investors can get sucked in because it's emotional, right, Danny? Well, it is. It, it's it's very difficult environment. 
you know, we were talking about euphoria earlier. So, you know, prior to the, the show, I was just looking up, you know, times of euphoria and markets. And the interesting thing is each and every year, there's been articles written about the euphoria that we have, with the exception of, you know, 2008, 2015. Um, but every single year, there's, there's talk of it. And so that's what makes it so difficult, you know, going back to the conversation earlier of getting in and out, um, you know, it makes it a very difficult environment. Yeah, what the government seems to be um, focused on is cracking down on people that are actually saving money. Um, we'll talk a little bit about these mega IRAs and how the Senate's really looking at maybe because of Peter Thiel, he had a $5 billion Roth IRA. They're going to put limits on large account balances. Well, what's a large account balance? So this stuff, virtual land and all this other junk, it's fine. You know, buyer beware and you spend your money and this is what it is. When it comes to legitimate savings vehicles and how to help people improve their financial literacy, we don't want to talk about that. I don't see those words in any legislation anywhere. I don't see it in coming off of anybody's lips on that other side of the aisle. But financial literacy is at crisis levels. And if you don't do it in your own household, we are all in trouble. This is why we created Candid Coffee overall to help build your literacy. Uh, and more important than you, because you probably have a great financial literacy. Everybody's out there. People you know that you know need it. When we get back, we're going to talk about these mega IRAs and what it means for all of us here on the Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. It's always TCC. You're happy when I'm on my knees. One day it's fine and next is flat. So if you want me off your back, well, come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Should I You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Danny, I got a brilliant idea for a, a town. Cracker Barrelville. So we go into Cracker Barrel. We talk to the managers. We talk to, we say, listen, we're going to sell your tables. These are your parcels to families that can eat there for the rest of their lives. We figure out their mortality. Look at the mortality tables. We buy the table for the rest of your life and you eat for life, and every day we can meet in Cracker Barrelville. I would do that over Decentraland, just so you know. That would be my big idea for the day. Cracker Barrel, you know where to find me. I'm ready to buy a parcel. <laughs> Brent's like, how can I get to be the mayor of that town? <laughs> Oh, man. The bad side of town is Golden Corralville um, around the corner. We don't go there. Uh, bad neighborhood. Yep. Uh, Showdown show at the Golden Corral. Yeah. I've seen some people bathe in that chocolate fountain over there. It's not pleasant. Um, so on August 19th, we are going to have a small business lunch and learn. And let me explain this to you because I know a lot of people listen to the show or trying to build their business. You know how important your employees are to you. 
I threaten almost every employee here today. If you leave, I will find you and I will bring you back because we could not perform without them. But that means you must have benefits to entice them. Tom Allen is a retirement plan coordinator. He is not only an expert at what he does, he makes it and breaks it down so simply. So what we're going to do is we're going to have this little small business gathering, and we're going to talk about what are just the, the benefits. Why, does it, why is it important? Maybe you're a solo practitioner. Do you realize what might be available to you out there? But we're going to just talk about the benefits overall of having a plan. And then we're going to do another lunch and learn that's going to talk about the types of plans that are available to you. You know, get down more into the, the nuts and bolts of things. So that's going to be um, important. So over the years, we have talked about on Financial Fitness Friday how important it was, and it still is, to diversify your accounts, right? In other words, we've been always told by mainstream, stale financial media, put all your money into pre-tax accounts because you're going to fall into the magical lower tax rate in retirement because you see every study that the financial industry really provides you is through the greatest bull market in history. That was a very, very long time ago. So we talk about, especially as you get close to retirement, and we are going to have a right lane class live in September um, coming up in the, on the 13th. So we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, as we get, we get closer. So again, Thursday, August 19th at 12, the whys and hows of small business retirement plans. So hope you can turn in to that, tune into that Zoom meeting. So all this talk again, we are big believers in you have money or plow different fields during retirement, right? You don't just have pre-tax money. You have after-tax money. Could be a brokerage account, right? Um, you have Roth, which we really like, which where the money is completely tax-free and doesn't count toward the taxation of Social Security. People today don't even realize that Social Security is taxable. And it's almost impossible to avoid it. But a Roth does, right? So because Peter Thiel, and Peter Thiel is really a brilliant businessman, okay? He created PayPal, a lot of this electronic financial channels. But it seems that a lot of people who are entrepreneurial get demonized today. And one way the Senate is going to do that, saying, well, Peter Thiel, you know, he moved my, you know, stock in, I guess it was PayPal at one time, into um, his Roth. He did a Roth conversion, right? And we tell people today, if there's a big correction in the market, right, <clears throat> you want to convert from traditional IRA to Roth. So say, <clears throat> say I have a $50,000 position that's now worth twenty. I can convert that. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to realize ordinary income at twenty. Wouldn't I want to get the appreciation of that vehicle hopefully comes back <clears throat> in my Roth, but be taxed at 20 and now it's worth 50. Well, that's what Peter Thiel did. But we don't like that. So instead of picking on the system, we pick on the individual who's, 
who just took advantage of you know, valid tax law. We tell people to do that today. But for some reason, we are looking at mega IRAs who might have fought mega Godzilla. Um, mega IRAs. Now, you're saying to yourself, who defines the word mega? Good question. Well, those are IRAs worth $5 million to $10 million. Allegedly, $5 million to $10 million. Right? So now it says, long past the crackdown on these mega IRAs. That's the Senate Finance Committee, Ron Wyden. Right? Who I'd like to know his personal net worth, even outside of IRAs. But, you know, if you saved your entire life because you were told by the financial services industry in your IRA and say life didn't get in the way and you started saving at age 23, age 25, and you wound up having seven figures in an IRA because of the growth of the market, your continued discipline, all the right things you were told to do, you might be an enemy of the state. Because I don't want anybody telling me what mega means. Okay? Like, well, unless it's mega Oreos, mega Twinkies. Yeah. <laughs> Brent's like, yeah. Mega Cracker Barrel table we can purchase for you. Right? You want one parcel or two Cracker Barrel parcels. Not Brent. a Cracker Barrel at that point. It's a Cracker Vat. <laughs> Crackle barominium, barominium, that's your smaller table. So now we're going to look at how do we crack down on these IRAs, right? In 2019, 25,000 taxpayers had aggregate IRA balances of $5 million to $10 million. You might know some of these people. They didn't, they may have had company stock, right? They might have started business. They took a lot of risk to get to this level. 28,600 taxpayers had more than 5 million, 5 million, including 497 taxpayers with aggregate balances of 25 million or more. It's shocking and surprising, one senator said, that this could happen in America. <laughs> yeah, it could, right? It, we hope, you know, again, I always look at these people and say, what kind of right things did they do? What can I learn from these individuals? As opposed to, you know, coming at them with flamethrowers, pitchforks, and anything else to try to, you know, pry their money away. So now, supposedly IRAs were designed to provide uh, retirement security to middle-class families. Meanwhile, there is no such thing as retirement security in retirement plans. It's ridiculous. So instead of focusing on, you know, the leakage that you can have from IRAs in general, where I could just take money out. I want to buy a house? Sure, take it out of my retirement account. Why am I doing that? Why do I have the ability to do that? Oh, we're going to just put in legislation for you to be able to take $1,000 out of your account, retirement account, because of emergencies. Well, why don't I just teach people how to have an emergency reserve or a financial vulnerability cushion, as Danny and I talk about? Why am I allowing more leakage to my defined contribution plan or my IRA? Why am I keep giving people abilities to take money out 
before retirement. Do you know the majority of millennials, older millennials, age 40, by the way, have nothing in retirement savings. I got a piece that I'm working on for next week. But we're going to, we're not, we're worried about these big IRAs. We're not worried about helping people maybe get to this point. No, we don't want that. We don't want to help people get better. We just want to take whatever they got. So I don't know where this goes. I personally don't think it goes anywhere. But I want you to understand that having all your money in IRAs may not be good for retirement overall because you're going to manage your taxes better and have more distribution flexibility by having different types of accounts to draw from to manage your tax bracket. And if you think you're going to fall into the lowest bracket in tax in retirement, yeah, some people will. Most of you won't. Oh, we get back. I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit more about retirement on five steps to secure a successful, secure retirement. Really not as difficult as you think. Here on The Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. You know, I think retirement is a dumb word. I, I just, because I think it's just another cycle. In your lifespan, right? Um, but it is what it is. My friend Jamie Hopkins, who's a CFP, great writer, calls it rewirement, which it is. You got to rewire how you're thinking, right? Because you're accumulating money, and now you're depending upon this this pot or this bucket to create a paycheck in retirement. So on September thirteenth, Saturday. We're going back to live retirement right lane class in the Woodlands at the Hyatt, which is where we usually have it. Um, this is a two-hour class. I think it starts, we start at nine. And it winds up being three because of all the questions that we get. And what we're trying to help people understand or do is to under, how to get to that right lane. And that right lane is, you know, when you put your blinker on or this is Houston, we don't see that a lot. Um, you get into the right lane of you getting off the freeway and you're now prepping to get to your destination. We are the right lane. We're helping you prep so that you can exit and get to your destination as opposed to getting back on the freeway. Five to seven years from retirement, even those... 10 years from retirement, I'm going to learn something from this class. I guarantee that. And we don't use that word a lot in this industry. <laughs> but that I will guarantee. Whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare, whether it's um, how to be tax efficient in retirement, uh, how to mitigate certain risks that are inevitable, health care costs, we're going to cover everything. 
So if you'd like to sign up, I don't know, Brent, if the sign-up's available yet. It might be too early because we're working on our August. So look on the website okay. for the, the calendar entries, okay. and as soon as that appears, you can sign up. So that should be we gotta about work. a month ahead of time. Yeah, we got to work through the, yeah, the first few so that are around, in front. Uh, yeah, so it'll be sort of mid to mid-August or yeah, so. You'll yeah. see it. I wanted to talk about it now because this room feels quick. And if you'd like to come out, have a little breakfast with us, Danny and I, and listen to this discussion. Again, uh, people who attend, we have people that attend, attend, and attend, and we love it. We're glad you do, that you come. So post-pandemic, it appears that a successful and um, secure retirement is more a nebulous dream than clear reality. It doesn't have to be that way, by the way. It doesn't. So a couple of steps we want to consider. So I talked about the, tw the July 2021 generational retirement analysis by the National Institute of Retirement Research. And um, in this piece I'm writing, I'm going to give you access to the paper. But what I did is I highlighted some of the points of this, that most millennials have nothing safe for retirement, that there's a cross-generational agreement, whether you are a silent generation, baby boomer, Gen X, that the U.S. faces a retirement crisis. Baby boomers expressing the most concern at 72%. All generations believe there's a wide variety of factors that make retirement preparation more difficult. Like maybe the government trying to tell you how much you should have in your IRA. <laughs> uh, broad support for Social Security, especially above um, for millennials and Gen X. Because that is a guaranteed income stream. So forget Social Security, forget all the emotion tied into it. That is a retirement income stream for either you or you and your spouse, right? And all generations favor defined benefits plans or pensions. <clears throat> so that's what you have to keep in mind. Financial literacy is much more, in my opinion, tied into defined contribution plans where the onus is on you to save. The onus is on you to make your selections, although we do help people with that now. But for the most part, this is your responsibility to save, your responsibility to allocate, your responsibility, except for all the ways the government gives you to tap the money, right? So benefit Define benefit plans, pensions, well, really, how much financial literacy did I need? Not much because the risk isn't on me. The money goes into this pot, and at retirement, I take an annuity. I take a lifetime income from me. I take a joint annuity if I'm married, and life goes on my merry way. I, didn't, I wasn't able to tap the money. I wasn't able to touch it. It was in this lockbox, could not touch it, okay? So... Policymakers are going to have to do more to improve retirement prospects for most Americans. I don't consider a lot of people, I'm sure, who listen to us are in that group. Um, but keep in mind, that is really what's happening. So the one thing I will tell you, this is from my own experience. Step one to this secure retirement is you have to think imperfect. You got to forget all these financial services commercials that outline how stocks are the panacea for every financial goal and that it's not everybody's idea of retirement to be sipping champagne, watching a sunset on the beach in Spain. Except for Brent. Brent's going to be doing that. Um, listen, I've been a good saver my whole life. 
I, I've been doing that 30% of my gross income for years. Right? My daughter's 23 years old. She funds her Roth every, every, money, uh, Roth every, every month, right? $250 a month. We went through the pay yourself first rule. She does it. She, she sort of and complained to me a little bit. $250, Dad. <laughs> We're going to make it work, Haley. We're going to make it work because I saw your budget because she does keep a budget. We're going to make this work. Okay, two fifty a month comes out, and you don't even feel it, right? And she's over in Emory, and she's going to be working there as well, um, in Georgia. So, um, many people experience great starts, right? They they did all this stuff, and then life gets in the way, right? The road deviates you off course. Hey, listen, it happened to me, right? It happened to me. When I, with a former employer, my total financial life got pulled away, right? I pretty much lost everything that I had. And I had to rethink my own retirement because I did all the right things and then life got in my way. So this current dose of my current reality was how do I reformat it, right? How do I make this what I have to put together? What combination of factors do I need? to create a retirement that's right for me. So what the one thing I want you to understand is I need you to think imperfect, even though life might not get in the way for you. I want you to think about what would happen if there was an illness, a job loss. How would that change not only your perspective, but what if you had to start close to scratch? A lot of people today, they want to start their own businesses. They don't want to be tied to some corporate job and some middle manager who's trying to earn their living on your back or on their backs. And they want to go out on their own. And I talk to these people a lot. They're in their 50s. They're 60s. And I just say, well, and they're worried about retirement, even in their 40s, worried about retirement. Well, you have to say you have to think about it with fresh eyes. Forget all the mainstream thoughts about retirement and think about how it would be perfect for you. So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I have a wonderful client. She's a widow, right? She, modest means, very modest means. Um, but she's got the happiest retirement I've ever seen. She works part-time. She works part-time. Uh, helps with cash flow, right? So working longer, that's part of her combination strategy. She took Social Security at age 70. And as a woman, she, will pro she probably has long life expectancy. She's healthy. She's going to get a bigger check because she had a career for years, right? So that. Um, simple pleasures for her. She meets a lot of people through her work. So that's a social engagement process. She does charity work. She loves to read. She's got a very small house, and I will tell you, she redefined it. She lost her husband at a, um, at a sort of middle age, uh, and there were a lot of bills, derailed her totally. Life got in her way, but she created a retirement at it with a dollar amount saved that you would say is impossible, at least if you listen to most pundits. So it's never too late. The situation isn't hopeless. It's a revised perspective about working longer, your lifestyle expectations, when to begin Social Security. 
you might have to think outside the box of stocks. What? Yeah. Longevity risk. Well, the risk of living longer than the tables, the actuarial tables say, is a very formidable issue. Go through a little exercise this weekend. Go to living to 100, 100.com. 40 questions from Dr. Peel about your lifestyle, primarily. A little bit about your DNA, genetic health. See how long you possibly could live. Because it's amazing. I have people that come to me every day go, I'm not going to live that long. I'm just not. So I don't need to worry about saving until age 90. I, I, you know, I don't have to make my money go out that long. Because it's just, you know, my parents died in their 40s. And, you know, I'm earmarked. Well, really? No, not really. So keep in mind, we're going to go through these other steps as we go on. But one of those is, this is step and then we're going to cut this. A holistic micro-assessment of what makes you happy. No, really, what makes you truly happy? I'm reading this study right now about what really makes people happy outside of money, and that's another thing you need to consider when it comes to retirement. Hey, we get back next week. We'll talk about more of this in Financial Fitness Friday. Uh, Lance on Monday. Hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in with us, everybody. We really, really appreciate you. Thanks again. Monday, Monday, Monday. Always Sunday. In the rich man's world. While the things have to tell. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.